Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll find your place in Luke chapter number 15, as we continue in worship today to the praise of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, we continue to think these days, uh, as we go through the Gospel of Luke, thinking about the everyday stories of Jesus, listening to them, thinking and considering what the Lord has to say to us today. And good morning again. If you're a guest with us, I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you. May the Lord bless you. We're thrilled to have you with us in our service. Please let us know if we can help you in any way. We'd love for you to know more about our church and our ministries. And uh, may, we help, may we be of assistance to you at, at, at any time if you need us. Luke chapter 15 is where we are today. And if you've been with, uh, with me and we've been looking at these stories together, we're finding the Lord in these days at the table with a number of different people. The Lord's, uh, as I've mentioned to you before, He said many powerful things at the table. When He was sitting having meals with different people, uh, many things recorded in the Gospels have to do with what the Lord had to say at table time. Uh, we discovered in Luke, at least a little bit of a review before we read Luke 15. So in Luke chapter 14, you found your place in 15. If, if you go back, uh, to chapter 14, verse 1, it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him. And so there the Lord uh, was at the table with the religious people. And now we discover uh, in Luke chapter 15 uh, that the Lord is with uh, a group of sinners, those who are non-practicing uh, those who are non-religious Jews and those who, had, who were notorious for being sinners in the area. So let's read together Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse number 1. And we'll read through verse number 7. I hope you'll keep your Bibles open. We'll look at a few other places today. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him, that is to Jesus, to listen to him. <clears throat> Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given to us. We thank you for the praise and celebration we have had. You are good. You are glorious. You are eternally faithful in love, mercy, grace in all ways to us who are sinners. We thank you, Lord, for saving us from our sin. <clears throat> we pray today that you would open our minds to the truth of God's Word. 
that we might truly understand what it is this story is about, how it applies to our lives and challenges us to be like Jesus in His ministry on the earth. May the gospel ministry of First Baptist Church be like the gospel ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, that we might have life. We pray for the least of these today. We pray again for children who are in foster care today, scattered all across Tennessee, coming perhaps even today uh, in fear and afraid, having to be taken from their home. We pray that you might give to those who lead in these various areas the wisdom to know what to do. You are the father of the fatherless and you care for those who cannot care for themselves. <clears throat> we thank you that that is true for all of us. Now we ask that you might open our minds to the truth of your word, put aside distractions, give us focus today by the Holy Spirit, may we not be distracted for just a few moments. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the focal truth today is this, that Jesus graciously associated and welcomed sinners. Jesus graciously associated and welcomed sinners. You see, the Pharisees are accusing the Lord Jesus. The primary statement upon which all of Luke 15 is built is on the accusation of the religious people toward Jesus. The accusation is in verse 2. This man receives sinners and eats with them. This is what's said of our Lord. This man eats and receives sinners. He receives sinners and he eats with them. So today we consider the heart of the gospel. We consider today the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he, uh, the Lord Jesus was unashamed to associate and graciously minister and be among those who were notorious sinners. I believe that today these words also help us, and we'll see. By the way, Luke chapter 15 is sometimes known. It's, it's a famous chapter. Most everyone here, if you've gone to church any amount of time, you, you have all of the titles in your, uh, in your Bibles there. The editors and the translators help us. They put these uh, sections into our chapters to help us divide the the chapter up and understand it. We have the story today of the lost sheep and the shepherd who goes for the lost sheep. Uh, then we have uh, the story of the lost coin and then the famous story of the prodigal son. Today we focus our time on the lost sheep. There's much that I want to say to you today and I want to challenge our church to consider around this accusation that was made by the religious leaders of the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 15 is the Lord's explanation for why he receives sinners and eats with them. And through Luke chapter 15, we are instructed as God's people in this church on how we are to receive sinners and associate with them. Oh, this is a great tension for us. And I realize in saying these words, we're confronted with the power of these words, just like we have been in the lessons of the last two weeks. 
I've said to you before, when you study the parables, it's, it's dangerous. Don't, don't practice the idea of having to make every little part of the parable mean something spiritual. Sometimes the Lord uses in the story an exaggeration to make the point. Generally, these stories have one point. And I believe today we're focusing on this very important point of the search for the lost. The search for the lost. What did the Lord say to us? When the Lord was eating with the religious people, here's what he said. You can, you've got it there in your Bible open. It's a warning to all of us today. When they were all gathering for the, for the Passover meal there, the Passover uh, lunch there, uh, the famous Pharisees and lawyers were in the room and everybody was trying to find their place to get as close to the famous people. And what did the Lord say? Luke 14, 11. This is for all of you today now. This is for all of you today. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord Jesus. That is a fact that's going to come in your life. If you live in pride, if you live in self-righteous pride, if you live in pride, you will be humble. And those who are humble will be exalted. That's not humble yourself so that you can be exalted. That's a form of pride. The idea is as you live in humility, like the Lord Jesus Christ, God will exalt you and God will honor you. He goes on to tell the story uh, in chapter 14 that we looked at last week, but I'm pausing here because I want to remind you of this, that we're told to invite the uninvited. And I said this to you last week, and I'll say it probably several weeks. The empty chairs in this worship center remind us of those who have not been invited and remind us that we have the business of inviting the uninvited. You see, there were those, uh, this man gave this dinner, I won't retell the whole thing, but the point is, those who were invited chose not to come. And so because of that, the master who was giving the meal said, go bring in all of those who never would be invited. The least of these, bring them all in. People who would never make the list. Bring them all to the table. The, he, the, the slave did it and there was still room. And so <clears throat> the master says, 22, 14, 22, go to the highways, go out everywhere and compel people to come in. I wonder today if you have this last week begged anybody to be saved. That's right, begged them, pleaded with them to be saved. There is an urgency, I believe, because we live in the last days. It's not rhetoric to me, it's reality to me. So if we know that to be true, what do we learn? Well, the master said to the slave, verse 24, here's the spiritual truth. None of those who are invited shall taste my dinner. You see, it's those who who are called but believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are the chosen. That's what the Lord said in another place. Many are called, many are invited, but only those who hear the call and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are the chosen. So we have a job here in this church. We go around the world, we do it, and Todd leads us, and it's important, and we must continue to do it, and more of us need to go on mission as we can. Sign up and go. It will change your life. 
But we have a job here and it is to invite the uninvited. Then naturally what happens? Well, you come to chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and all the sinners, verse 1, were coming near to Jesus because they knew Jesus had something to say. What do I need to remind you? These tax collectors are employees of the Roman federal government. They're working, they're, they're the collectors of the money. This group, more than any others, were Jewish tax collectors collecting the Roman taxes from the Jews. They were notorious. They, they always upped the, the number. They always skimmed off the top. They were cheaters. They were liars. They were thieves. They took the people's money when the people had very little. They were tax collectors. They were notorious. And they were hated by the Jewish people. They were left out. They were the uninvited. Nobody going to bring a tax collector to their meal. A bunch of thieves. They can go do whatever they want. We're not going to have them around here. Would be the mentality of the Jews. But then there are these sinners. What is that? Sometimes people read that and say, well, that must be the, 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 the people who were living in sin, open sin and prostitutes and all that. No, actually the word means non-practicing Jews. These would have been the atheists of the day. These would have been those who didn't read the Torah. These are those who didn't go to synagogue. They didn't make it to church on Saturday. These are those who would never go to the festivals in Jerusalem. They weren't going to take the time to go up there. They had more important things to do. These are those who are non-practicing, non-religious people, and they're all coming to the Lord Jesus, verse 1, and they're listening to Him, and the religious people are grumbling. And they make their accusation against the Lord Jesus, and now He tells this story. And there are four uh, observations I want to make from the story, and I'll be brief as I can, but I want to expand on it because I want to press home this point of why it's important to search for the lost. I'm speaking to First Baptist Church. I'm appealing to you that this is an important matter for us. Wake up, church. Wake up. The alarm is ringing. The Lord Jesus is coming. He is near to the door. We have much to do. It goes far beyond our family affairs and all the things we love to do with our time. Wake up, wake up, oh church. Wake up, wake up. It's time for us to get up and go before the end has come. These observations are longer than normal. But I've tried to be careful in my explanation to make real these, what I see are these primary observations I want to make from Luke 15. Again, this is the Lord's explanation for why he receives sinners and eats with them. Wait a minute. The Lord Jesus with non-practicing Jews. I want that to sink in. The Lord associating and eating with thieves and robbers and liars. I want that to sink in. That's our, that's our tension. We know that we've been saved from our sin. We know we need to separate ourselves from the world. Yes, that's right. Separation is important. But it is not separation with not connection to the lost of our world. 
There's a way to do it, and we must learn to do it like the Lord Jesus. So Jesus graciously associated, and my words are, are important. You see, the Lord Jesus came, and what did John say? He came full of grace and truth. Everywhere the Lord went, he did it graciously, and he did it truthfully. Oh, but he was also truthful, and he was gracious. Gracious and true, truthful and gracious. Can you be that way? That's what the church needs to be. Gracious and truthful, and truthful, but gracious. Not truthful and harsh. Truthful and great. Let's be like our Lord. Let's stand on the truths of God's word. While there are celebrations going on in Nashville this week of great celebrating perversion, sexual perversion, ungodliness. While there are thousands that have gathered out at the racetracks. There are people doing all kinds of things all over this town with no regard for God. I just throw them out. Well, good, they'll just go to hell. Wait, wait, wait. Now, all the tax collectors and all the sinners were coming near to hear him and listen. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus graciously associated with sinners because he loved them. <clears throat> and I mean this when I ask it. Do you love sinners like Jesus? Secondly, Jesus graciously associated with sinners because they were lost in their sinfulness. <clears throat> Third, I'll mention to you from the story, Jesus graciously associated with sinners because they must be rescued from their lostness. And finally, Jesus graciously associated with sinners because there is joyfulness. This is what makes heaven happy and the church happy. When sinners repent of their sins and come to Jesus Christ. That's where there's celebration. That's where there's joy. That's where there's victory. In seeing those who turn from their sins, just like you did. And come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine in your mind some of the most godless, wicked people walking the face of the earth today in Nashville, Dixon, or wherever you want to pick. That they have the potential and opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing that would be. And how joyful that should make us. Well, let's get to it. The Lord loves sinners. I do want to remind everyone here, put us all on record. You know, all have sinned. I'm speaking to a room full of people who are either saved from your sin and you're a sinner saved by grace or... You're a sinner still in your sin. That's the only two categories of people on the earth, on this planet. They're either saved by the grace of God, sinners saved by grace. Always my life, a sinner saved by grace. Every day of my life, sinner saved by grace. I still have within me the danger of doing great sin. If I do not kill sin in my life, sinner Mike Miller, the sinner, saved by grace. Hallelujah. It's the only way I can make it. And same for you who are sinners saved by grace. And we gather and we celebrate and we should. But there are others who didn't get in here today. Who don't want to come here today. Who don't want to listen to any of this today. Who are sinners still trapped in their sin. And so the Lord Jesus would associate with them. He was salt and light to them, my friends. 
He didn't, he didn't condone what they did because he associated. He spoke the truth of God's word to them. He witnessed to them. He shared the gospel. And though they wouldn't agree with him, they listened to him. <clears throat> what do the lost think about the church's tone today? I'm not saying we have to accommodate to sin. I'm saying it's the way we say it. It's the way we associate with them. The Lord Jesus did not condemn them. I can't take the whole gospel, all of the four gospels, and show you all of that. There's multiple examples of this. He did not condemn them, whether it was the woman they caught in the act of adultery. I don't, contempt, I don't condemn you, but don't sin anymore. Don't do that anymore. Or the example of the rich young ruler. He had everything going. Who would not want a disciple like the rich young ruler? I mean, boy, he'd make a good disciple. He was so aggressive. Boy, he knew all the Bible. He, was, he had money. He could do it all. And the Lord said, well, you give up all you have and follow me and come be my follower. And the, Lord, the, man, the boy, young man couldn't do it. And so what does it say? He walked away from Jesus. Jesus let him reject him. But it says he still loved him. In Mark 2, I won't have you go there, but it says in Mark 2, 15, it happened that the Lord was reclining at the table. Many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus. But listen to this phrase. This is Mark 2, 15. For there were many of them and they were following Jesus. Wait a minute. They didn't just come hear the Lord Jesus. They followed him around. What a crowd you'd have. What a strange crowd. You've got these religious Pharisees, these right, self-righteous people. And then you've got all of this bunch, this crowd. What a crowd following Jesus. Why, are your, why is Jesus eating and drinking with these tax collectors and sinners? This was the question of the Pharisees to his disciples on this other occasion. And what did the Lord say? Well, he heard them asking the question, why do you eat with all these terrible people? And the Lord said, you know these words. It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. People in their sin are sick, spiritually, my friends. They're in a desperate condition. They are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. This is what the Lord does. This is the love of God. Jesus, secondly, graciously associated with sinners because they're lost in their sin. Now let's get to the story. Verse 4. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture? Okay, that's just the story. Don't get all caught up in the weeds. You got ninety-nine sheep. They're out in the pasture, the open pasture. The shepherd discovers he's lost one. What does the shepherd do? He goes out. Here's the phrase. He goes after the one which is lost until he finds it. He goes after the one that's lost. He goes after the one <clears throat> that is lost. <clears throat> I remember attending a conference when I was a younger preacher. and <clears throat> Some men were there talking, and, and I mean this sincerely. They were trying to be very helpful <clears throat> about how to reach people in the world today and the way we should do it and just methods and things. But one of the men, I've never forgotten, he, he just was troubled that, that preachers would get up and <clears throat> use the word lost to describe sinful people. Well, that's what the Lord called people who were in their sin and not saved. He called, 
He called them lost. It's not a word of derision. It's, not a, it's a statement of a condition of a person's life spiritually. Lost. Being lost. I notice here. So the Lord uses the sheep to illustrate what is true of the lostness of our world. The sheep wander away. They, they don't know where to go. They have to have a shepherd. They, they, they're, they're confused directionally. They don't know. Have you ever been lost? And I'm not talking about in Walmart because they remodeled it and put your stuff in a different place. Have you ever been lost? You didn't know. You had no idea where to go, what to do. You were absolutely in a state of terror. You were immobilized. I mean, when you're lost and you've seriously gotten yourself lost, it's a terrifying place to be. Nothing is more terrifying than a sinner waking up and saying, I am lost. But this, this barely registers in the hearts of the church. Wait a minute. I don't have a sheep. It's lost. I better go find it, says the shepherd. You see, this is the ministry. This is gospel ministry. Lost sinners must be found. But first, the church says, gospel ministry says, people without Jesus Christ are really, truly, genuinely lost. Do you know what the word lost means in the Greek language? It means to perish. It means to be ruined. Listen, it means to be destroyed. Do you want that to be true of someone in your family who doesn't know Jesus? That's where they're going. They're going toward the place of eternal destruction. This is what the Lord's told us. Is, is that what you want to be true of that friend who sits by you at work? Lostness, lostness. Consider the lostness of sinfulness, my friends. The lostness of sinfulness. You were in this condition. I'm trying to bring this back so you remember what it was like to be lost in your sinfulness. You see, those who are lost in their sin, they, they live in utter selfishness. They're lost in their selfishness. They're spiritually dead to the truth of God. They don't care about God. They don't pray. They don't read the Bible. They don't want to hear about spiritual things. They're dead spiritually. They're spiritually blind. They can't get it. They can't see it. They cannot see it. They don't understand it. It does not comprehend in their minds. They move on because they're so self-absorbed. <clears throat> they are spiritually deaf. The Lord says at the end of chapter 14, after He's called us to be disciples, He says in verse 35, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. By the way, the Lord used that phrase over and over when He told stories, parables. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Are you, are you listening today? Do you have spiritual ears? Those who are without Christ, they can't hear it. They can't understand it. They live in a twisted, 
perverted, they have a depraved mind. They have rejected the truth of God. They have believed a lie. They live in unbelief and their minds are, of course, the lost act in perverted ways. They're lost in their sin, my friends. I'm not making a defense on behalf of the lost. I'm simply saying that's the fact of the way they live. They live out their depravity. They live out their depraved, twisted minds in perversions of all kinds, and they invent new ones every day. They're lost without direction. There is no purpose in their life. It's like the fellow, we were on a trip, some men one time along the way. This was years ago. I've never forgotten. And the man there is... We see this sad picture all around us today. Here's the man on the side of the road with his backpack. He looks pitiful. He looks like he hadn't slept for days. He's miserable. Got his backpack on walking along the way. We slowed down the car and we said, friend, can we help you? Do you know where you're going? And he said, I have no idea and I don't care. That's the lostness of the world. They're not looking forward to joining us up here. They're not interested, but we still go, even though they're not ready. We go to the uninvited lost. We go and we speak to them about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus says to us in Luke 19, 10, it is famous. It is famous. The son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all around us, all around us are the lost. Look, for those of you who get so mad at the television, when you hear the news, some of you could be expert commentary, commentators because you listen to the news so much. I got a challenge for you. The next time you hear the latest perversion on the news, the next time you see the latest uh, glorified sinner who doesn't know God on the news. How about this? Put them on your prayer list and say, Lord, I pray right now, wherever that person is, may you send the search party, the search party to find that man or woman and tell them, may they go on a rescue mission to find that lost one. Put them on your prayer list rather than your griping, grumbling list. You see, somebody used to complain about your ungodliness before you got saved. Church, wake up. We live. Well, I have to go after the one which is lost. It's the byline. It's the tagline on the church here. We go after the ones that are lost. Not the ones that are saved. We go after the ones that are lost. Well now Pastor Mike. That can get real uncomfortable and controversial. You, are you serious? Yes. That means you got to take somebody. Who doesn't know anything about God's word. And you got you to help them and disciple them. Wait a minute. I believe that's what we're called here to do. Wait a minute. Go after the one which is lost until he finds him. If the, if the alarms on your phones, and I know what time it is, you know, I hope you have them turned off. I, I wish we'd just turn off our phones. And if you turned off your phone, you'd have to get a real copy of God's word and bring it in here. And that'd be better than your phone. But anyway, I know I'm 
griping about things. But I'm saying, if the alarm's on your phone, we had an amber alert. Boy, I put those notifications on my phone, but I don't appreciate at 3 a.m. in the morning that you get an alert. There's a, there's a need. We've got children who are lost. There's not a person in this room who wouldn't say, okay, I'll help. Let's go find them. But you see, my friends, because the church does not have a real understanding of lostness, that's why we don't go on rescue. They'll just show up if they show up. Let's leave it with them and God. Really, that's not what the Lord said. He said for us to go. He said for us to go. Go. You see... If he has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them, doesn't he not leave the ninety-nine and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? The shepherd searched till he found the lost sheep. Jesus associated with sinners over and over again. He was on a rescue mission. He was teaching them the truths of God. We know many of those truths of, of God. He was healing the sick so they saw the power of God in their presence. He associated with them and helped them to know that there were pleasant and wonderful words that came from his mouth, words like they had never heard in their life. Look, when someone's only heard cursing and, and abusive speech, and they've lived in a world of hatred all their life, to hear the blessed words of the Lord Jesus is quite a change. And especially when that kind of tone comes out of God's people, that doesn't mean we compromise on sin. It means we come toward people and we do it as the Lord did. We associate with them out of love for their soul. And what do we do? We try to say to them, look, there's a better way. Come with me. I'll tell you what happened in my life. Someone rescued me. This is the glory of the gospel. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us. From the present evil age. Look, the Lord Jesus is your rescuer here today. If you are a believer in Christ, you were rescued by the Lord Jesus. I remember a terrible earthquake when we lived in California that happened in the Bay Area many years ago, 1989. And the, 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 the freeways collapsed on top of each other. It was horrible. And all those people were... Uh, were killed instantly as that concrete collapsed on them for miles. Well, the rescue teams went out and they, and they searched and they searched and they searched and they searched and only found one or two. And they, they interviewed the rescuer and said, well, you know, uh, aren't, you, uh, aren't you discouraged? He said, no, I'm not discouraged. If we find one, it's worth it all. Let's get on the search around here. It's not the many, it's the one. Let's go on rescue. Let's go on rescue. We do sing it sometimes. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Rescue the perishing. What's the theme of the church? Let's go after the one which is lost until we find him. You see, we we know people are lost in their sin and we are motivated to go find them. 
Finally, Jesus graciously associated with sinners and there was joyfulness in their repentance. Look at this. So he goes until he finds the sheep, verse 5, when he found it. He lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. Look at his condition. Verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then he says, I tell you. By the way, when the Lord says, I tell you, he's saying something you really should pay attention to. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy. Read the words carefully. More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The joy of heaven is the joy over repentance for sin. When you greatly repent of your sins, you will find a God who greatly saves you from your sins. This is for you. Oh, what a joy. You've always had that place at the table for that one in your family that's living the devil's life. What a joy it would be when you see that chair filled because somebody went on rescue and found that one and shared the gospel with them. This is gospel ministry. You know why the church gets sad? Because we don't see enough people repenting of their sins among us. That's why the church gets sad. Then we turn on each other. Then we start bellyaching and being foolish and doing things that are not really our priority. Go after the one which is lost until you find them. And when you find them, you rejoice. If it's one, if it's 10, if it's 20, it doesn't matter. It matters that we recognize what really is joyful. Joyfulness comes around repentance from sinfulness. And some of us in this room need to do that today. You know what repentance means. Doesn't mean you have to roll on the ground and, and you know, read your Bible for 24 hours a day. It doesn't it means that you change your mind about your lifestyle and you choose to start following Jesus. And that's what we go to our friends and say, look, there's a better way. Why do you keep living like this? Why do you keep getting, doing this and getting the same results? You're miserable. I'm your friend. There's a better way to live. It's to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we remember today as we go? Well, love sinners like Jesus loved them. That's what we go out here and do. Love sinners like Jesus loved them. You see, this was the Lord's message to these complainers. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Yes, because they're sinners and I love them. I'm going to be among them so that I can rescue those who will respond. I do remind you that not everyone who heard the Lord Jesus' words came to Him or responded to Him. So why are you looking for 100%? You see, we invite the uninvited. Oh, I, that person. Why do we say no for people on their behalf? Oh, they'd never, want, they'd never be interested in the things of God. How do you know that? You know, it's my old friend, Pastor Sal, saying, when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change, you will change. 
There's some people, the pain of staying the same is so strong right now. They just need someone on rescue to come and say, I got the solution. It's Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. Rescue the perishing church. Rescue. I don't know how we put it on our reports. I don't know how we give the information out about our statistics on what we do. This is an attitude. This is a church attitude. This is gospel ministry attitude. We're rescuing the perishing. If your friend's house is burning down, you're going to go over there and do what you can to rescue them. But the lost all around us live in their ungodliness. And the church stays away, ignores it, and leaves it with God to figure it out. When the Lord has said to us, go. When the disciples went on their first mission in Luke chapter 10, in fact, it's just back a few chapters, they came back and were sharing all the glorious things that happened among people who responded to the gospel, preaching that they did. And the Lord, it's a wonderful, sweet word. It's Luke 10, 20. Nevertheless, the Lord said, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And his point was to say, be joyful about those who repented of their sins is the implication. And then it says, at that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. The Lord was rejoicing in those who were repenting of their sins while he was on the earth. And there's great glorious rejoicing in heaven for those who've repented of sin and will repent of sin. Rejoice, rejoice. There's nothing more powerful than being around someone who has truly repented of their sins and the impact that can make on the lives of others. That's all of us who are saved. You have a story. You see, you used to be like this. You were a sinner living in ungodliness. One day you met the Lord Jesus Christ and you became a sinner saved by grace. And now you live by the help of the Lord and you live in forgiveness and your life has changed. I used to be like this. I met the Lord Jesus who changed me and now my life's like this. That's all we say. It's no more complicated than that. Tell somebody else how the Lord Jesus Christ has changed your life and invite the uninvited to Jesus and then invite the uninvited to join you among God's people. So the Lord says, as we go today, I'll read it one more time. Here it is, Luke 15, 7. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door. The urgency of the hour is upon us and those who die without Christ will perish forever. When the Lord comes and the trumpet sounds and it's all over, it will be over. There will be no more grace, no more time, no more opportunity. This is real. This is real. This is reality. Time will be up while we have time. Let's invite the uninvited sinner to come to know Jesus and to join us so that they might walk and learn to live for the Lord. The Lord is near the door and we pray, come Lord Jesus.